Today on The Topping Show, Andrew Tate and Tristan Tate officially charged, Bud Light begs customers to come back, YouTube censoring Robert F. Kennedy, DNC sponsorships open up, Rivian chooses Tesla superchargers to use, Hyundai to bus bolster their EV investment, Hunter Boot goes bankrupt, Alibaba has a new CEO, and FedEx sales are down 10% last quarter. All that and much, much more on The Topping Show. Thank you everyone for taking the time to tune in today. Today's episode of the Topping Show is sponsored by Topping Technologies. Topping Technologies is an IT value added reseller and services company with a special proficiency in IT security. Heck, see their final release twice a day. Gotta say he's quite handsome and brilliant. He's me, that's the joke. If you're a IT leader or business owner and need a little assistance with your IT, you can reach the team at sales at toppingtechnologies.com. Now, going on to the business part of the podcast, you have Rivian choosing to use Tesla superchargers. Now, Rivian vehicles will come with a standard factory-installed Tesla NAX port in 2025. They'll have adapters available earlier in 2024, so just right around the corner. Rivian joins some of the legacy automotive companies who are choosing to embrace Tesla's supercharging network, including both Ford as well as General Motors, further bolstering Tesla's long-term investment and or idea of just dominating the EV market since they're going to own the best infrastructure in terms of I don't know any, any other chargers who are faster or more advanced yet. And Taj shall tell us if that's another startup. There's a lot of startups in that industry, but will one topple them as a more efficient or a more convenient type of a supercharger? Taj shall tell. Now, Rivian CEO RJ Scarnage was pretty excited about the announcement. He actually said, quote, the adoption of North America charging standard will enable our existing and future customers to leverage Tesla's super charger network while we continue to build out our Rivian adventure network, unquote. Now, I'm not a big gambling man. I, I gamble on my own company. I reinvest every penny because I believe, you know, we'll make a dent in the universe and I believe in my team. But in terms of gambling on automotive stocks, I think it's moderately comical to think they're going to build out the Rivian adventure network. I, maybe that's a metaphor for something else, but Right now, Tesla has the largest, largest, overwhelming largest advantage over all the other, like, say, automotive makers when it comes to actual infrastructure of charging the EVs. So I don't see anyone toppling that anytime soon. In fact, you have other automotive companies basically not even attempting to compete. Like GM, you don't see any GM superchargers on the streets or charging stations. They did create the Chevy Bolt, which was somewhat of a hilarious name since they burst into flames because of battery issues. Though many would say that's partially due to LG, the supplier of the batteries. But I digress. You don't see a lot of them going out and investing in that. And Tesla just seems to be exponentially increasing their lead on the competition in that regard. Time shall tell to see if their newer vehicles are even more advanced and they can keep that technology gap with actual vehicles increasing over time. I think that's going to be one of the biggest, most important things for them to do as well. Now, other interesting business news and even EV news, you have Hyundai increasing their EV investment to $28 billion, as well as decreasing their dependence on China. So they're going to try to increase their EV sales target to 2 million units by 2030. They're going to spend $28 billion over the next decade to increase production both in the United States, Europe, and South Korea. It's not a coincidence that they're increasing those investments in those areas, 
because it's partially political. Many of the governments, including the United States, have huge tax breaks and incentives for made in the USA, or I guess in Europe, made in the EU or South Korea. Well, that's more for their headquarters as well. But in regards to the incentives, building it here is a huge incentive. Many would say it's not made in the USA. It's one of the things that I find particularly annoying is particularly prevalent in um, home improvement stores. You'll see all these items on the shelves and they'll have a US flag and it'll say assembled in the USA or even more annoying, made in the USA, made in the USA with global components, which is bullshit. It's, in my opinion, false advertising. Most Americans aren't looking into the actual nuances to differentiate between made in the USA versus assembled in the USA. To clarify, made in the USA means an overwhelming majority of the components have to be made in the USA as well as the actual product. So I believe back in the day, it used to be at least 70% of the materials in the vehicle or in the actual widgets, whatever they're selling, had to be made in the USA and you had to have it assembled here. Now, I applaud these companies trying to do something in terms of supporting the United States um, economy in those regards to manufacturing and assembly. But it's also one of those annoying things where the average consumer isn't looking into the nuances and they might be getting something they're, they might not be getting what they perceive to be getting, so to say. Now, other interesting business news, you have Hunter Boots going bankrupt. And no, this is a, this is a no way relationship to the crack addict Hunter Biden, although that might be a startup, maybe shoes filled with drugs and then you sell them. He might have that on Etsy already. I don't know. I usually don't go on Etsy too much, but this is actually a legacy boot company. This manufacturer started in about a hundred, not about precisely, 176 years ago, or although it was established being called the North British Rubber Company in Edinburgh, Scotland. And they've been around for quite some time. Now, it is a little unfortunate. They went into administration, which is the British, British. So everything already sounds fancier if you do that. Or arrogant if you're, if it's July and we're celebrating our independence, which I would say every day should be Independence Day, but that's just me. Now, Administration is a British term for bankruptcy, and a couple weeks ago, the company's intellectual property was actually acquired by the United States-based Authentic Brands Group. So it is a little disappointing to see a manufacturer with such a long legacy basically just vanish from the face of the planet. And some blame the fact that their shoes or their rain boots were like $176 when, geez Louise, it's rubber and yeah, that's a lot of money. Um, unless they're getting commercial contracts or those boots last 20 years or something like that. Many were, some were saying that it was kind of the demise or a little bit of the downfall of the company. But at the end of the day, hopefully the employees get new jobs somewhere else and maybe they'll even have a startup with a new boot company. Time shall tell. Now, the last business news of the day, you have Alibaba having a new CEO. The new CEO is gonna replace Daniel Zhang and the new CEO is gonna be Eddie Wu and this is coming as the company faces a couple challenges on two fronts. Now, specifically, they're having issues of a slower growth rate, as well as Beijing's crackdown on internet companies. Now, a lot of these tech companies are fueled by explosive growth, growth rates. That's how they get more investments. This is one of the reasons Uber, Amazon, a lot of those companies didn't make a profit for quite some time. And when they were talking to their investors, oh, Twitter, another one, they never really emphasized, oh yeah, we make you know $5 a profit per user. They really just said, look at this explosive growth and someday, in theory, we will make a profit. Someday that does happen. That's why 
one of the reasons Amazon is so unbelievably successful is that they're fiscally profitable as well. It took them a couple of years, but they achieved what many thought was unachievable at the time. Jeff Bezos even had to talk when he was looking for investors when he first started the Amazon.com. He had to explain to them the concept of the internet. And they only sold books, which shows you how far they've come. Now, Alibaba has been losing market share and struggling to stay afloat post the COVID era. And the company is also spinning off its cloud computing last month, which will allow that entity or that part of the business to focus all the resources on that one part. But traditionally, cloud is usually the most profitable part of a lot of these companies. So I was a little surprised to see them spin off what may be the most profitable part of their business. And we'll, we'll see if it turn, how it turns out long run. I mean, eventually, I think Amazon will just crush them globally. And of course, you know, Alibaba is much, much, much more popular over in Asia. We shall see. Now, going on to the cultural part of the podcast, you have Andrew Tate and Tristan Tate officially being charged. Finally. And I say finally not because I think they're particularly guilty or I have any animus towards them. I never met them. But I say this because this dog and pony show has been going on for more than half a year. Now, high level, their charges are the around them. Uh, career. One of the notes was that they coerced women by offering relationships, but then only intended to sleep with them, which that particular note, I mean, that just sounds like a frat boy douchebag or where the fancy term is for that mindset or that action doesn't sound illegal other charges are that they paid or they took a revenue share of the women who made entertaining videos which again morally that's certainly not palatable for many i don't think that's illegal and then other charges of i'm trying to think of how to not get this video 100 percent censored or delisted or blacklisted whatever term you prefer Mm, selling humans I'm trying to think of it there's all these catchy terms i'm trying to navigate so that this doesn't get banned or something like that nevertheless they're not good charges now it's also interesting to note that the again fancy terms for romanian dictoriat dictoriat for investigating organized crimes and terrorism also known as dcot which marketing that's an f i can't pronounce it i know i'm not from romania so I'm probably butchering it with my accent, and I don't know the local language. But the other parts of the, everything else translated fine. Investigating, everyone knows that term. Organized, everyone knows that term. Crime, everyone knows that term. Terrorism, everyone knows that term. But dictoriate, oh, that sounds Italian. I'm butchering it all day with this pronunciation, but I digress. Now, there are allegations that that entity is just trying to attempt to seize the brothers' property, including their fancy watches, their cars, their... I don't know what we call it, a little house or residence. And they were thrown in Romania in jail and held without evidence or even charged of a crime for about six months. And again, you might find them morally repugnant. These are American citizens. I'm not too surprised the United States government did absolutely nothing. I don't think they made a phone call. However, when we had a, what's a fancy word for mediocre? A WNBA player in Russia who broke Russian laws because they're not smart or she's not smart rather we traded one of the top arms dealers in the history to get her freedom we left the united states marine over in russia custody but we chose the WNBA player who profoundly who proudly professes her ideals that the united states is evil and bad 
and what even prior to her being arrested when she played in the the WNBA games, she wouldn't even stand for the Pledge of Allegiance. She, she would boycott it. This is allegedly because only 38 people actually watched the WNBA. So I did not watch the game, but I watched clips about it. And I read articles about her lack of participation in the ball game. That's a very generous term. It's a fiscally bankrupt idea. There's a reason why they don't make money. The NBA subsidizes them. That's the only reason they exist. And again, it's just capitalism. If you're not making a profit, they need subsidies to stay afloat. But I digress. So in this case, the U.S. government did nothing. And after 14 months of investigation, the Romanian authorities waited until they had, I believe, seven or eight days left. And by Romanian, I'm trying to think of a nice way of saying Romanian banana republic laws, a pejorative term for countries that are not very democratic, they had about 78 days before they would not be allowed to charge them. And now they, they, now they are charging them. Have we seen any evidence? Not yet. But my three evidence is that if they had evidence, it would have been thrown out. It would have been shown day one. Because the whole media, as Andrew Tate might say, the might, the oh, I can't do his accent. Like, as sparkly water, Bugatti. Eh, a little bit. But nevertheless, as he might say, the Matrix is out to get them. And in terms of all, if you have every, and again, maybe it's just a shtick to get them off social media because they were very viral at the time, still are. Why, did, if they just had that evidence, they could have locked them away day one. That's why I'm a little pessimistic about is there really any hard evidence to prosecute them? Are they going to be put in jail again? But the fact that you could have someone in custody for half a year without charging them or having any evidence, that just, you, as a trusted in an institution, I have zero trust in the Romanian government at this point. No one should. And unfortunately, it's quite sad the United States has some parallels in that regard. Uh, that's perhaps another conversation for another time, but it's one of the things where time shall tell to see if they're guilty, but I don't know how the Romanian law works. Needless to say, I'm highly skeptical of the situation, and we'll see if they can... I don't know, this, get out of the matrix? I don't know. There's a fancy analogy I'm sure Andrew would use in that regard. But at least in the United States, you're entitled to a fair trial. I would hope that's the same in that country as well. And we'll see what happens to the brothers. Other interesting cultural news, you have Bud Light starting to beg customers to come back and kind of kind of admit they, they, they messed up by oh yeah, losing about $28 billion in market evaluation because of their recent partnership with their brand ambassador on April 1st, which... There's a silver lining. It's kind of funny it happened. April 1st, they made that business decision, which blew up in their face worse than any business decision I could think of in the past 30 years. Like, I can't... Yeah, I can't think of an example of a more accurate example of destroying your brand and destroying your sales than that. I mean, people in... I mean, if you miss your sales by 2 to 3%, some sales reps get scared. But, like, yeah, it is millions by millions by millions of dollars in sales and of course billions in actual valuation now anheuser-busch marketing chief executive marcel Mar maricondas he called the boycott over the bud light beer a quote important wake-up call for brands to be very humble unquote so again it's it's the most half-assed apology we're going to get at this point i don't think they're going to go any further than that he did elaborate or he rumbled on some might say and he said quote 
in times like this, when things get divisive and controversial so easy, I think it's important to wake up, I think it's an important wake up call to all of us marketers, first of all, to be very humble. And that's what we're doing, being very humble and very reminding ourselves of what we should do best every day, which is to really understand our consumers, which is to really celebrate and appreciate every consumer that loves our products by the way that can make them together, not apart, unquote. And yes, that does sound like a robot and it is almost like it's almost like they just wrote in the chat gbt or some robot algorithm ai half-assed apology not really admitting guilt because again they're getting boycotted more and more by people on the left because they didn't stand by bill mulvaney and you have people on the right it, everyone is annoyed with them and everyone is fervently just confused you, you piss off your main customer base it wasn't a smart idea and i don't think this apology or this lukewarm acknowledgement of the awkwardness of the situation it's not really an apology but in terms of addressing the actual issue that's probably the closest we're going to get is this going to increase their sales not at all because again it's it's not authentic it's not not addressing the problem head-on it's just further advocating responsibility and sounding more like a robot than I could possibly, I couldn't have written a more a parody of that per, more perfectly than exactly what Mr. Marcel said. Now, going on to the political part of the podcast, you have unprecedented censorship against Robert F. Kennedy. Now, Robert F. Kennedy is an official presidential nominee. He's the son, or sorry, the nephew of the famous Robert F. Or sorry, John F. Kennedy. All the Kennedys get mixed up in my head, but I know one was ended by probably a government entity, I would say most. Yeah, yeah, there's a lot of suspicions around why even in 2023, the US government will still not declassify a majority of the documents around the case around GFK's demise. Now, Robert F. Kennedy has been known for being very skeptical against the Pope, as well as the government in general. So, and he is running as a Democrat which is probably why he's getting a lot of pushback because they get a lot of money from pharmaceutical industries. That was the main reason why it was called pejoratively Obamacare or the Affordable Care Act back in the day. They basically, the only way they were to get it pushed is because Big Pharma helped them. It was one of those situations where we're gonna give every American, you know, all these free benefits. Well, it's not free taxes, but if you don't pay taxes, there you go. But they had it set up in which they're not going to negotiate the pharmaceutical industries to get the best rates or get the price, best prices. So there's a lot of incentives for them to help out and get it pushed across the finish line. Now, Robert F. Kennedy has been interviewed by Theo Vaughn, Mike Tyson, Jordan Peterson, Joe Rogan, pretty much some of the most viral characters and some of the most popular online celebrities, YouTubers, comedians, and what have you. And a lot of these speeches are starting to get blacklisted, delisted, and even pulled off the internet completely. And it's, you notice this with a couple of YouTubers where you'll follow them, which of course now is a great time to click that follow, like, subscribe button, do all the YouTube things for our channel. Greatly appreciate it. But it's one of those phenomena where I'll follow Jordan Peterson, but I won't see the new videos. I'll have to click on his profile, then I can find them. Now, traditionally, before the days of YouTube censorship, long time ago in Galaxy, far, far away, as some Star Trek fans might say. I'm kidding. I'm just saying that to annoy people. I, I, I know it's Transformers. 
but it's one of those situations where you would see everything that they were producing because you want to, you click subscribe, you want to see the new content. So when you log in or you just click on the YouTube app, you would see their new content because you follow them. In many cases, they're having instances where it doesn't show up. Timcast IRL or Tim Pool and his channel has this issue all the time. And I don't think it's a coincidence that the more controversial interviews are the ones that are getting censored the most. Now, I'm very interested to see Will he be censored completely? There are still some videos if you dig him up, but because he is challenging the incumbent presidency of Biden, he's gonna push for, obviously, Robert F. Kennedy's goal is to be the presidential nominee for the Democratic Party, which in terms of having an incumbent president in power for your party is pretty unprecedented. I, don't, I haven't seen that happen in my lifetime that I've noticed, but he's many would say he's a lot more charismatic. I know it's. That's a low bar, but I think he has a lot, a much better chance of gaining independent voters as well as people on the left if Robert F. Kennedy were to run as a Democrat for the 2024 presidential election. And there's all these rumors about what if, what if Trump chooses him as his VP, you know. I mean, say whatever you want about Robert F. Kennedy. He's, getting, he's trending on the Twitter. He is getting more and more attention and his messages is resonating with more and more Americans. That's a huge threat to the Democratic Party because, again, in terms of historical winnings, usually the incumbent has the best odds of getting reelected. Trump not winning was unprecedented in my lifetime. If you think of the past presidencies, you have George W. Bush, you have President Obama. A lot of the, most a lot of these presidents are back to back. The only president I believe who's ever got reelected after not winning again in a row. I think it was like Grover Cleveland. There's a funny, there's a funny little trivia fact around that. It's either him or someone else, but it's only happened one time. So again, the odds are uphill for Trump as well. It'll be interesting to see if he is, if Robert F. Kennedy is such a threat, will he be completely censored like Alex Jones? Say what you want about Alex Jones, he's quite bombastic, but all of a sudden, every media company just censored him at once and basically removed him from the pulp, from the public square. And again, that's one of my favorite litmus tests for do you believe in personal or do you believe in freedom of speech is Alex Jones. Again, he says some crazy stuff, although it's quite concerning when some of it turns out to be true. But again, you may not agree with anything he says, but in my opinion, he's an American citizen, he's a human, he deserves the right to have free speech. It used to be an, that used to be an uncontroversial thing to say in the United States. Now, if you say, oh yeah, I believe someone should have free speech, they call you far right. Which is crazy how much the Overton window has shifted to the point where if you don't think someone should be censored because they, they have one or two opinions you don't agree with, then you're alt-right. You're, you're crazy. That used to be a unanimous belief in the United States. And hopefully we get back to that point where more and more people realize, oh yeah, the most, one of the most fundamental rights is the right to have free speech. And I do hope we get to that point again in my lifetime. Other interesting political news, you have more evolutions or more reiterations coming from the DNC convention when it comes to sponsorships and approval. The convention is waiting for Joe Biden to give approval for the CEO to run the day-to-day -day operations of the convention. Usually when there's a president in the White House or of the party's White House, they'll want to approve. They are having guaranteed bills being paid with $30 million line of credit closed with the city of Chicago and the Amalgamated Bank in New York. And it's going to be one of the largest sponsorships. And in terms of business ROI, 
a lot of these businesses are going to jump on this bandwagon because you're going to get a lot of eyes. A lot of people are going to see this convention. Now, the corporate sponsorships range from $100,000 to $5 million, which gives contributors two lower-level lower suites and credentials for 40 people for each session of the convention, as well as 40 premium hotel rooms. They're, the 100000 level is good for two credentials in a super suite and a premium hotel room. So I guess that kind of blends it into you have the cost of the hotel. So it's not just to get your name on a banner, but in terms of if I were, you know, if I were exec at CNN or if you are at a political podcaster that you lean left, probably a pretty good business opportunity to get your name out there because everyone in the political sphere will be at that convention. So it might be a good ROI if you're if that's part of the company's philosophy or political out. I'm surprised with most companies in the United States right now leaning more or far left, I'm actually surprised the corporate sponsorships aren't even more, you know, jack up that price. I mean, you'll get, you can easily get 10 million from Nike or one of these companies to slap their logo up there, be the exclusive clothing of the convention. I mean, that's a lost business opportunity. Why isn't Nike making suits yet? They make everything else. Math like suit. Or even a sweater or a turtleneck. But only a tactical turtleneck is really appropriate for most occasions, I would say. If you're, if you're going with a turtleneck, it has to be tactical. Tactical or nothing. Now, the Illinois Congressional Delegation also sent a letter to Homeland Security urging to increase their security grant from $50 million to $75 million. Which actually doesn't sound like enough, given the city of Chicago is one of the most corrupt, crime-ridden, drug-ridden cities on the planet and has been for about 100 years i'm sure they have some good people there don't get me wrong and there's two or two or three businesses still headquartered there but it is quite literally the most one of the most violent places in the united states i'm surprised they're not spending a hundred million dollars just to try to secure that which may be an uphill battle in that regard probably but again, in terms of a st political strategic location, it's perfect because every law that on average Democrats want to pass already exists in Chicagoland. They have many anti-gun laws. They had an assault weapon ban for quite some time in uh, Cook County, which is the county that encapsulates the city of Chicago. It's, they have the thing is a 72 hour or three day waiting period if you want to buy a handgun. There's more restrictions there than any other city I could think of, with the exception of perhaps San Francisco and New York City. But again, all the business policies, all the gun policies, all the housing policies, like they're already in place in Chicago. So why not have that be the poster child? And of course, there's no opposition. No, no one's going to protest this, this, this convention. There's like, there might be, might be three, may, maybe four Republicans in the city of Chicago. Maybe. Which again, is probably the most useless place to live in terms of your vote really does not count. I mean, for many reasons in Chicago. But yeah, it, it blows my mind how many Republicans still live in California when if they just all if they just all left and went to a, a purple state, the Republicans would lock in the elections for the foreseeable future. Well, as long as they were fair elections and there weren't any, you know, manipulations. But again, I think it could lock in the elections for decades if they just got the hell out of California. But there's, maybe they're addicted to that perfect weather and the good food, which, yeah, it, the weather is pretty nice when it's not on fire. That, that, is, that is a good point. But something about losing, what was it, 10% income tax, 60? 
it's one of those things where if you make over a hundred grand, I believe you lose like you lose a majority of your income if you live in California, which I find abhorrent because again, it's your money, you earned it. But that's just my three cents. Now, going on to the business blunder of the day, you have FedEx. Their quarterly sales are down at 10%. This is also the company's third straight decrease in quarterly revenue. They're having they're being assaulted on all fronts. Not only are they losing more and more revenue, but they're also having an increase in their cost. And of course, you're having less things shipped because like many logistics companies and retail companies, like e-commerce, there's a huge, unprecedented boom during the COVID lockdowns because, of course, you weren't allowed to shop at mom and pop shops. There's exemptions for the big dogs, but you had to basically shop online because the government locked you in your home, which is good for the e-commerce platforms. They had unprecedented revenues and profit margins during that period, and the shipping companies had to get the products to the end users. So they all had a huge boom. And now that you have 40-year high inflation, people won't worry about the economy, job security is becoming harder and harder to really have these days. People are starting to order less crap. I mean, important stuff, very important goods. You need them um, online. So if I were FedEx, I'd be pretty worried. You also have Amazon ever increasing the logistics branch of their company where they they don't just have the, of course, those little SUV, I guess they're not SUVs, the mini, no, not minivans either. They look silly, but the trucks, cargo van, the silly Amazon vehicles you see all over. Not only does Amazon own those, but they have their own Boeing jets. They're building out, they've doing it for a couple of years, but they have fleets where they will get to the point where they could have end-to-end supply chain management. They use a lot of third, they do some with USPS and couriers, but as they grow, they could conceivably have the full life cycle of the product, which would be pretty impressive if they can do that. And a lot of people saw the writing on the wall when Amazon first started that initiative. I believe it was, it was either UPS or FedEx. They noted that it was 10 to 13% of all their business was from that one customer, Amazon. So at that point, they should have just been really turning on a dime and trying to figure out how else could we increase our revenue? How else could we adapt to the situation? Amazon's not going to go out of business tomorrow. I mean, Amazon's going to, Amazon's just going to increase the amount of stuff that they ship themselves. So they have another, it's not a surprise, but the fact they haven't adapted yet or made some bigger changes, that's certainly the business blunder of the day. Thank you everyone for taking the time to tune in today. Can't thank you enough. I really appreciate you taking the time to like, subscribe, and comment. Each one of those things greatly help out the channel. Also, don't forget to tell your family, tell your coworkers, tell your friends, heck, tell your enemies, tell anyone and everyone to stay safe and fight the good fight.